Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Pili Raúl en la música virtual. Da, 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 da. It's, a, it's, a, it's a new way of doing things, kids. So, yes, as you know, normally we would be able to get into a beautiful speakeasy called Room Number 7 that is of Jack Daniels. It's a cool little secret bar that's in Los Angeles. But because we're all confined to our homes during this uh, quarantine time and COVID-19, hopefully everybody's safe and healthy and, you know, practicing social distancing when you need to go outside. But for now, we're connecting virtually. So welcome once again, everybody. Since we can't go to room number seven, we're bringing room number seven to this wonderful world of the internet. And we have brought one of the wonderful people from Jack Daniels. His name is Jose Vargas, who's joining us. Hey, guys. And um, he's going to show us how to make a tasty beverage. Well, thanks so much for having me again, guys. I truly look forward to this, and I'm really happy to be here with you all and with Alex. Really is a lot of uh, a lot of fun to be here. I saw Alex like uh, I think like ten years ago, and I was again a big fan when he kind of first came onto the scene. And I saw him in Austin at South by when I was on my way to like manage a stage, and uh, and I just like ran up to him, gave him my card, geeked out, and said I'm a big fan. I don't know if I said much more, and if I did, I'm sure he didn't understand me. And I just walked away, and I'm just <laughs> like, man, oh well. I blew that one, but here I am. Like, I acted like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to show you guys how to make a quick drink. Again, the whole uh, goal of these drinks I'm trying to show you guys is something that can, you know, since bars are still closed for the most part, you can't go out to your nice, you know, mixology bars, but you can really do a lot of stuff with Jack Daniels and you can do a lot of stuff with ingredients from your own home. So, again, trying to use different ingredients and items from your pantry. This is really easy to make. Today, I'm changing it up. I know the last few episodes I did Jack Daniels. This time I want to do something with uh, Jack Daniels Fire. If you guys have had it on its own, it's delicious. It's our cinnamon whiskey. The main ingredient is Jack Daniels, and then we add a cinnamon liqueur to it. So it's really as versatile. It's great as a, as a chilled shot, or it's great in a cocktail as well. The last few days, I don't know about you guys, but it was June gloom in the mornings, and I kind of woke up, and I'm just like, man, is it fall already? So I kind of was already <laughs> in that mentality. So I kind of wanted like a fall-inspired cocktail. Uh, and that's what this is. First things first, if you guys have a shaker or if you have a mason jar or something that has a lid, that way you guys can shake it. You want to go ahead and put some ice in your shaker. Try not to make a mess over here. And I'm making a mess. I know. The main ingredient in this one, if you guys saw, is humix, apple nectar. So I wanted something apple, something manzana. I tried doing this with just regular apple juice, but like any good Latino, it... Nothing beats agave nectar from Humix, right? Um, so I did it. I wanted to use this. So this is Humix, apple nectar. You're going to do, if you guys have a jigger at home, this is what a jigger is. Uh, but if you have a regular shot glass, uh, it'll be about the same proportions. It's about two ounces. So you can follow okay. along. So you want, you want to do two ounces of Humix. Yo siempre hago estos a ojo, pero como quiera me quedan bien. And you can do a little bit extra, maybe three ounces. Wow. So like half of another shot. That's some sweetness going on then. It is, but trust me, it'll come out good. Okay. All right. All right. I trust you. Mira, I have to admit, Jose, when I read the ingredients for this drink, I was like, 
what are we going for here? But yeah. I trust you 100%. Right. The drinks hey, have always been so, amazing. So, so. What, are you, what are you naming the drink? We decided to call this in honor of Alex, uh, the locura. And you'll see that with a little bit of color we're going to add to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to add a little bit of color. I'm going to do one ounce or half of a shot glass of cranberry juice. Okay. Oh, oh that's just for color. Okay. All right. It's color and also to kind of dry it out a little bit, like a, like a dry or tart All apple, right? right? Yeah. And you wanted the last one is Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire. And you want to do about an ounce four and three ounces? quarters. Did an ounce four, and three quarters. Did you no. say four ounces? Always responsible. Oh, we're no, responsible. I, okay. I think he said half the bottle. Uh, yes. Half the bottle. No. <laughs> All right. Well, then I need about to get another an one. An ounce and three quarters, or a little bit less in a shot glass. Okay. All right. Put All that right. there. You want to give that a quick shake. Oh, with wait. The ice. Wait, let me put on my lid here. Open that up. Open okay. it up. All right. Pour it out into your glass. Mira, nice this is old school. This is my shaker. Red color. All right. Okay. And that's a locura. Enjoy, guys. Cheers. Salud. Right. Ooh, that's a, actually really good. It looks a, it looks a little red. Okay. Cool. I say it tastes like almost like a candied apple with a little bit of like spice to it it tastes completely different than, than what i thought oh my god hey. me it's actually really wow. good that's that's very very tasty jose it's nice and very smooth tasty. still refreshing still summery right it's light so enjoy guys thank you so much and pili raul thanks for having me again well cheers salute yes cheers. salute and thank you and jack daniels for believing in musica latina alternativa always siempre we are excited because lately we've been able to connect with people all over the world, whether it's in here in the U.S., in Mexico, South America, wherever. But this next guest that we have is a superstar from Chile, and he's lived sometime here in Los Angeles, and now he's in Nueva York. Always brings positive vibes and so much fun and has uh, a lot to say these days. We welcome Alex Anwanter. How are you doing, sir? Hi, I'm great. How about you guys? Good, super good. Thanks for, for joining us on Pili Raul en la Musica. Excited to uh, chat with you for a little bit. Yeah, I'm sí, excited too. Alex. <laughs> so happy to have you on board. Um, thank you for, for saying yes to this opportunity and to opening up to a whole new audience that some have, know who you are and some don't. So yeah, that's always a good there's thing. There's even a dog. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cat, there's a dog. Yeah, that's a great thing about Zoom, right? It's a new uh, audience indeed. <laughs> Bueno, Alex, what, you know, let's go back to the beginning. What attracted you to the arts and to music? And I don't want to say just music because you're an artist in many capacities. Well, uh, I mean, I grew up uh, with um, a musician dad. So that was a lot of it. I Every night, he's from Brazil. So every night I, and he's a classical guitar player. So every night I kind of went to bed listening to him practice the Brazilian classical guitar repertoire, which is a lot of Eitor Villalobos, which I'm still deeply in love with, and a lot of just like uh, what they call MPB, like Musica Popular Brasileira, popular Brazilian music. So that's like my deep, deep background. And when I was um, a wee boy, I started playing violin when I was six. And uh, that was a a lot of information again. And then when I was like a teenager, I suppose, I started getting myself into popular music, not just like through my dad, uh, started playing Beatles songs and uh, 
Argentinian rock and whatnot. Argentinian rock like like soda? Yeah, for sure. I went to... I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say, say that because I'm going to be like forbidden my entry to Argentina, <laughs> but... Wait, wait. <laughs> and I might just stop this interview right yeah, now. Yeah, we, might, like we might. Uh, that's kind of a, a prerequisite. That's like a requirement. I know, but I mean, am I allowed? Uh, yeah. Aren't I? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's all Thank good. It's Thank all you good. So much. <laughs> no, but no, I went no. to like the last show they did in Chile at like the National Stadium. Huge ass concert. It was. And you were singing along to every song, right? I knew everything. Exactly, see? Yeah. Exactly. So you're, you're a yeah. fan. It's all good. We, we love that. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of, of Chile, specifically Santiago, talk about a, uh, an area that's booming as far as music and um, really kind of pushing the limits these days, you know, with artists like Francisca Valenzuela or Anna T.U. or uh, DJ Bitman, uh, obviously you, and so many different styles and so many different genres. I mean, Chile is just blowing up musically over, like, I would say maybe the last 10, 15 years or so. How has the influences of Chile and your music choices and your preferences and your taste, how has that uh, influenced in what you're doing today? Um, can I curse? <laughs> of course you can. Yes. You can say whatever the F you want. <laughs> Uh, We're all over 21 here. Chile is like intense as fuck. We are like in the like most corner most of the world or whatever. Uh, super isolated. The fucking mountains, the ocean, the desert, the glaciers. So it's like a sort of an island. Um, there's not many of us, but we have developed some sort of intense idiosyncrasy or something. And it's um inevitably like very ingrained in all of us being from that quote unquote island we have a very strong tradition of uh of powerful musicians especially stemming from violeta parra who's like our musical mother like the mother of everything and then we have a very powerful moment which i kind of inevitably have to mention as well which was the dictatorship which kind of cut uh, our development as artists, as a as a people, as an artistic people, and kind of put it in in pause or mute or whatever uh, for twenty years, and it it's taking a long time to to recover. But I think um, the way it has recovered has been very interesting as well. Very kind of trying to go back to Violeta Parra, kind of reconcile ourselves with our pause, our very hard, terrible pause, and kind of trying to do something new. So, And it's so many progressive sounds, not not just with the music, but with the lyrics like, and what you guys are saying to the world. Yeah, it's it's mostly the the lyrics I refer to when I when I mentioned Violeta Parra and that whole strong tradition of protest music. Right. It's like Chilean audiences are are great but they're super tough they're like they're like yeah but you know but what but what else you know you have what? to be constantly proving yourself exactly they're they're extremely uh not judgmental <laughs> but just like demanding very demanding um there's a lot of at stake because not many people have the opportunity to be artists in chile so with the stage with the 
you know, more like visibility that comes with being a popular figure comes this responsibility of saying something that's worth their time. And I think that's important. I, I respect that. And how has how was growing up in Chile in this environment, given the fact that, como tú dices, está en el culo del mundo? En fin, no dije culo. <laughs> lo dije yo, lo dije yo. Me está ofendiendo mi gente. <laughs> so, no, you know, I had, a, I had a chance to basically live in Chile for like two months. So I've been to Chile three times. I stayed there the last time for about two months. And really Did you get an earthquake? Because if you didn't get an earthquake, you haven't lived in Chile. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either I the didn't. time that I went. No. I'm all like, oh, I missed that on an earthquake. I'm but. very sorry, but you haven't lived in Chile. Okay, we haven't lived there that. So we visited. I visited. <laughs> yes. And I got a chance to spend a lot of time with like locals and I f and like young couples. And I found that they were, and again, this is my experience and you're Chilean, so correct me if I'm wrong, but my thought was that they, they were very conservative. Like it's a very backward, like I feel like they're 30 years ahead in some, some ways in terms of the mentality and the openness. And I know that's changing, especially after the protests not that long ago. Um, but do you feel like that really changed after the protests? And also, how does that affect your creativity? Well, I, I tried not, I suppose I try not to judge uh, Chile in that, in those terms. Uh, we definitely come from, we're like, basically, uh, this is a very hard way, word to say, rural. <laughs> rural, yes. A rural country. There's a lot of farming, agriculture, so... It's mostly, you know, campesinos. That's like the basis of of the country. Like my fa like my family comes from the countryside as well. Not like uh, fundos, but just like from like working, you know, cultivating onions. Not nothing very fancy. We all kind of come come from that. Um, and and as I was mentioning before, we are isolated very much isolated and 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 when i say i try not to judge my country that way it's because of what i was mentioning before we didn't put our cultural development on pause on purpose it right. was you know uh, forcefully done upon us by the us so i it would be really unfair to say we are behind we have been systematically put behind mm -hmm. First by colonization, then uh, by, you know, um, the first world, dealing with, with the third world, and then these dictatorships. Right. So, so how has all that, like, it's so much history there. How has that influenced your lyrics specifically? Because, like, a song like Cordillera, I feel like it's... Uh, well, I kind of wrote a whole album about what we're, <laughs> <laughs> what we're discussing now. Uh, Latin Americana is very much about... Uh, the issue of developing a Latin American artistic identity, whatever that means, because it's immensely varied, you know. Uh, I've been to Puerto Rico, and when I've been to Puerto Rico, I, I feel like I'm in Mars. It's very different <laughs> from <laughs> my culture. I, I love you guys. I, it's just a wonderful place, and I have many friends, but it's extremely different. It says a lot about the richness of our experience as Latin American. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know if I have like a very succinct answer to the question, but it's definitely 
something that I want to look forward towards uh, developing this, this Latin American artistic identity, but also kind of shed those judgments that we mm -hmm. impose upon ourselves, thinking of ourselves as less, thinking of uh, ourselves as uh, behind something, thinking of ourselves as less attractive than, uh, less uh, whatever than. Right. That's kind of the the center of of that last last album I, I made. Wow. It's a fairly conservative community as well. You know, a lot of rich you know, history and traditions. And you're a big advocate for the LGBTQ community. And how has that also come into play with your music and what you stand for and what you try to promote in your music? Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess that's uh, something maybe more for other people to judge. Uh, I was in my country, one of the first to take certain steps uh, toward visibility and just like being outspoken. As you guys have mentioned, Chile is pretty conservative. I remember like when I was growing up, up until 1998, I think, we were the only country in the world that didn't have a divorce law besides the Vatican. Oh my so God. that's kind of, wow. I think it says a lot <laughs> about how, like, um, no, how much work it takes to, you know, fight against those conservative uh, spirits that are very, very uh, deeply ingrained in, in society, mostly because we are so far away, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what I've done is just, like, try to be... Uh, more than outspoken, authentic, uh, in which, in my case, implied talking about sexuality between, like, the same sex or whatever. I like boys, <laughs> in case you guys don't know. Um, so that was, I suppose, a big deal back then, like in 2011 or something, like have releasing a single that was, like... Um, a love song to another man was like like this uh, famous uh, music journalist from Chile told me that was pretty much the first time it was ever done. Wow. Uh, which is not something that, that I set out to do, but just kind of happened. Now it doesn't mean very much, but... Uh. <laughs> but one of the things that I admire of you the most, and I mean, I've seen your career. The first time I saw you was LAMC years ago in New York. So I've followed your career, and it's just amazing to see you blossom. But one of the things that I admire is your, bear with me here, because it's a hard word for me to say, vulnerability. <laughs> My like, rural vulnerability. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Let's just match them up and make it super hard to say. Um, but it's, it's, I love that you used the word authentic, because that's exactly how I would describe you as well. You know, But staying true to yourself can be very challenging. How did you how did you trust yourself to go there? Mm, I I suppose on on the one hand I felt I had no choice because I had experienced like mild inauthenticity, not inauthenticity but not feeling completely aligned with myself back when I had a a band a sort of teenage band called Teleradio Noso in Chile. And I, I was certainly dissatisfied with what I felt 
was an aesthetic that didn't identify me or ident didn't identify what I truly liked, uh, which was much gayer <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And on the other hand, I didn't have to just like come up with everything on my own. Luckily, um, that authenticity um, kind of uh, directly connects with uh, this figure I've, I keep mentioning, Violeta Barra, which is like the most profoundly authentic and deep artist you could ever find. And I feel immensely fortunate to have her as a role model so um you know nearby i'm i'm like very i'm close friends now with um, one of her grandsons mm -hmm. and uh, i go to his house and there's like art made by violeta parra i'm like wow wow it's like <laughs> i'm not a religious person but this is <laughs> someone i i worship you know yeah right. man but but you know at the same time i hear i hear the influences of michael jackson prince madonna in a lot of your kind of more dancey stuff but then i also hear like just the gut-wrenching heartfelt vocals in ballads and stuff that that is really kind of like heartfelt and really deep Juan Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have such a wide range and a dynamic of your music. And um, what do you prefer doing, the, the dance stuff or the more kind of mellow, you know, just heartfelt stuff? Like, say, like something like uh, Stilo Juan Gabriel or something like that. I think um, I can't avoid doing both. I mean, I obviously uh, love dance music. I, gr I grew up listening to a lot of... Uh, soul music and a lot of Motown. I'm like a huge Motown uh, fan and a lot of disco music, which in itself took me to house music. So there's a lot of um, like African-American an African-American tradition of music I've, I've tried to study and try to um, sort of incorporate uh, into my stuff. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I grew up listening to AM radio and those ballads in in my house and Juan Gabriel. It's just kind of a thing you you grew up listening to. Yeah. And I think that's I've I've always tried to see that as an advantage of of musicians in Latin America, in the sense that we grow up listening to, you know, our people, our artists, plus what the rest of the world listens to. You know, David Bowie. And so. people in England have no idea who Juan Gabriel is, and it's <laughs> definitely their loss. I mean, <laughs> but I think it benefits the audience and music fans such yeah. as ourselves too. Because even though I'm not a musician, I'm like I, I see the benefit of growing up in Puerto Rico with all the Afro Caribbean sounds, but also influences from uh, Europe and North America. So our library as Latinos, our library of music is gigantic just by being born in Latin America. I mean, uh, I mean, Puerto Rico is something else. You guys have been like pivotal in creating so many genres. It's, 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 it's amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, even in Los Angeles, it's like, it was, it was odd that just the time when the, the day that um, Juan Gabriel passed, I was actually on the air that day. And it happened like a few minutes into like my first song that I played, that I got the news that he had passed away. So immediately I just switched gears and just started playing a couple of Juan Gabriel songs. And I thought, you know, being in LA, everybody's going to know Juan Gabriel, you know, but that wasn't the case, actually. They don't? No, and actually, like, right then and there, 
Juan Gabriel was being introduced to a whole different audience via the KCRW airwaves. And so I just played like two or three songs. And then the program director calls me and says, hey, did you hear Juan Gabriel died? I go, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just got the news and I played a couple songs. I go, is it cool if I play more? He goes, you do what you want. I ended up playing the entire show, the, the entire three hours of Juan Gabriel music. Wow. And and, and yeah. it was one of those kind of things where, where I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just playing songs that reminded us of my parents, my aunts, my uncles in Mexico. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't till the end of the show where I started getting a lot of notifications that it's like, wow, I had never heard of Juan Gabriel. His music was amazing. And how could we have not known of this? <laughs> there's and a it, really, I'm going to go off a tangent, but no, there's no. a, We're there's all a about really funny, <laughs> like a reaction video of two people from Korea listening for the first time to Juan Gabriel. You know those reaction videos in on YouTube? I haven't seen that. I mean, I've it's, seen reaction videos, but yeah, I haven't seen that one. It's like, uh, I'm not going to imitate, but but it, you guys should check it out. It's, it's very funny. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. So we've been focusing a lot, obviously, in your music career, but you're also a superb director. I mean, I had seen some of the music videos that you've directed yourself, but doing research to, to for, for this interview, I saw a bunch of clips of different movies that you've done, and Alex, you're... An amazing, <laughs> amazing director. Thank you. Is this something that you want to roll parallel with your music career? Or is this something that you want to like really focus on more? Um, I, I definitely want to do more films, yes. And I have a couple of projects um, which are kind of continuously rolling and, and developing. Uh, every like uh, film project takes about five years from the first moment you like first think oh this would be a nice idea for a film till you you premiere it that's like five years it takes forever so <laughs> i'm like super patient and i'm like on year three or four of this project so we're getting there um i definitely want to make it happen it's my first film is a pretty like um kind of social melodrama set in Chile and I'm I'm very interested in in telling stories about about my country and about kind of the whole mess that sometimes goes in there um so th this next next project is sort of similar we actually did a screening of that movie yeah. at uh, Nacional Records and yeah. it, it was it was captivating and I was just like Billy like just blown away I mean obviously I've known that you've done a lot of your music videos yourself you've shot them you've edited them you you mix them you do I mean you're like a one person army doing all these kind of things but you know what I love the most watching that film is how you bring in all your musical influences into that like going back a little bit you mentioned like you're a big fan of disco one of my favorite groups is lime and you use yeah. my favorite lime song of all time my favorite yeah. disco song is called your love that song was expensive i'm sure it was i'm sure it was <laughs> yeah i wanted to have like nice disco music play playing in the background for a song well that's a it's a powerful song i mean it's it's a it's you know a lot of disco music talks about love and heartbreak and things like that and and that song exemplifies this amazing that's dance fun. you're probably party. the only person that's have has noticed that song but well, it's only my favorite disco song of all time but anyway oh yeah um, he's not he's not dj raul campos for nothing i have a, i have a couple records but no no that's definitely a good one but 
it's impressive, like all the different styles that come into play. And and I want to know like when the next record is coming out. Obviously, there was a song called uh, Paco Vampiro that that came out at the yeah. tail end of last year. Is that kind of what we're going to see in the next record? Not at all. Eso fue una canción de protesta. Yeah. Eso, exactamente. La escribí y publiqué en el transcurso de cinco días. I've never done that before. Wow. It was an interesting experience. I I kind of cringe a little with the mix and technical details. I, I wish I would have done a lot better. But uh, it was a very interesting experience, like making music like that with uh, such a specific purpose and such a specific, uh, you know, role. Not waiting a year till it's published, but just like interacting immediately with uh, with the audience and the audience taking the song as kind of. Uh, what what it was intended to be uh, a protest could, song. Mm-hmm. Could you let them know? Could you know the audience that's listening to us now um, what it's about? Because it's very it relates a lot to what's happening right now. And that and and that's the reason why I ask about like what the the record is coming because like these are like protest times right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you guys here in the U.S. are going through something not the same at all, but no. Similar in in the clash with the the police. So anyway, the um, the song is called uh, Paco Vampiro, which kind of means uh, vampire cop or vampire pig. Really, it's like the more more offensive term of, to calling a cop. And it's uh, it was designed to like I wrote the chorus of the song uh, as simple as I could, so people could sing it two cups and it happened it it really happened to the point where it eventually it kind of exploded because a cup some like a family uh, a woman and her children were driving nearby a police station and they they were hearing the song and a cup stopped pulled them over and stopped them because they were hearing the song which, wow. which is a, hmm. a sort of unheard of censorship since the dictatorship, and he pulled a gun on them, which here it's very common, but in Chile it's like, it's very violent for us. It's extremely shocking. We are not used to guns. So I guess it kind of That's worked. That's the impact of the song. Yeah, <laughs> right. it was meant to like annoy them, and it did. And, and I got to sing it live on a, a nationally televised show, which was very nice. Like, uh, it was... It was very interesting. Yeah. But uh, to answer your question, it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're always excited for more new music. And, and I love that the, when you talk about like the shows and you performing live, you bring a, a very visual element to your live shows as well. And I love how like how you you incorporate, you know, the fashion, the look, the style, the attitude, you know, the integrity and the voguing. Exactly. <laughs> Keep it coming. Dude, I remember we were, I think, at Dodger Stadium. I was telling Pili this earlier. We were at wow. Dodger Stadium for Viva Los Dodgers. And it was it's a Sunday afternoon, middle of the day, like 12 o'clock noon. And it's like 95 to 100 degrees. I remember that. Scorchy. <laughs> and you're out there in jeans, the satin jacket. A and satin you are, jacket, yeah. And you are bringing it, man. <laughs> I, I like to think there's no 
concept of temperature in shows. It's just like, <laughs> I love that. It's just that's a true showman right there. <laughs> well, it was definitely hot in in every sense of the word, man. <laughs> that's the only baseball game I've ever watched. Wow, to, till this day. I like it because I really like fell in love with LA. I I really like LA. So the Dodgers are like a yeah. huge thing there. So I I I like them because of that. You're from Santiago. Yeah. Okay. And you lived in LA, and now you're in New York. You know how have these cities and moving from such big cities influenced you? Well, um, the thing with New York is that I moved here kind of late last year, in September. And just after I moved, I went back to Chile. The Chile exploded. <laughs> then I came back. I was here for like a month and a half. Then the pandemic started. So you haven't really experienced New York. Exactly. Uh, the weather is shit. It's <laughs> terrible. Like the winter. What is up with that? Like I keep yeah. wondering, like, why would someone ever settle in this island after the first winter? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I, like I, I thought of that like the entire winter. Like why, why would you guys stay here? <laughs> it's terrible. I, I ask my, I don't like the cold either, and I ask myself the same question. I'm like, why do human beings torture themselves with this weather? And everyone kept saying like, this is not a cold winter. It was like a like a nicey winter. So she, yeah, I no. don't know. But I mean, I, I think I'm starting to understand some stuff and I've started realizing that New York is a lot about the people hmm. not uh, not as much as you know the buildings and the you know shows or w the money or whatever it's the opportunity to connect with us diverse people it's it's very amazing like the amount of languages you hear the amount of of like direct influence you receive It's, I find it very stimulating. Really. I love that city. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah but the, yeah, the cold. One time in, in all the years I've gone to New York, only once in the, in the winter. Never again. F that. It's like, yeah. no way. Yeah. So, man, yeah. I, I'm looking at the clock and time is just whizzing by, you know. The, but um, we do something uh, very special at room number seven where um, we ask the artist uh, seven rapid fire questions. Es las siete preguntas de room number seven. Okay. So we're bringing that to this room number seven virtual. Okay. Um, the first question What is your pre-show ritual? I like to listen to a Toto song. <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> um, Georgie Porgy. Oh, cool. That's I find it one. very relaxing. Kind of... <laughs> you know, Sherry Lynn sings in that song and it keeps on kind of building up, but like in a very mellow way. And it's it's a ritual like my band enjoys as well, <laughs> and they they now kind of expect the Georgie Porgy moment. See that that's <laughs> cool. That. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Georgie Porgy moment, awesome. What was the first album that you bought, or that someone gifted you, or that like Raúl says you stole? My first cassette. Okay. <laughs> Is. That's okay. Um, we're we're all cassette people here. <laughs> it's okay. Was a Bill Haley cassette for some reason. Wow. My dad gave it to me. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of fun kid music. But then I, the first CD I remember getting and really, really enjoying is a CD I'm deeply in love to this very day called Clubi de Esquina. 
uh, like a corner club or something by Milton Nascimento to Anlo Borges. It's kind of a foundational piece of uh, popular Brazilian music. It's just the most wonderful album. You awesome. should share, share that with us on the chat. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. I'll write it yeah. now. <laughs> and while you're writing that song, because I know you can multitask, I'm going to ask you the next question, which is, and this person could be uh, dead or alive, man or woman, who is your musical crush and why? Um, I guess David Bowie. Like, I keep... It, it never dies, like, my passion for him. It's, it, it was just... It's not the artist I listen to the most these days, probably, but uh, but I keep like I follow like a hashtag or something on Instagram, and every time I a photo of him appears, I'm like, <gasps> like I get a really like fanboy reaction. It's like I'm just really in awe of him and his talent. What era? What epoca? So it would be from the Young Americans to Scary Monsters, which is seventy four, seventy five till nineteen eighty. That's my and my favorite album, in case if anyone wonders, is Station to Station. It's a good one. Classic. My God, what he was, I mean, out of this world. No hay otro Bowie. All right, the next question would be, okay, who would you like to have a drink with? And it could be, I know I, you're a very intellectual man. Uh, I know you, like, read a lot. So it could be an author or a poet, dead or alive también. I would like... Maybe either Grace Jones or Naomi Campbell, I think. That's funny. I posted something about Grace Jones on my Instagram story yesterday. Really? I have yeah. a tattoo. Um, can you oh. see wow. well, she's Oh, yes. Wow. Yes. It's, it's the only artist tattoo I have. I couldn't help it. That is devotion, my friend. Love it. I really like her. She hasn't said anything stupid or hasn't gotten herself canceled yet. So. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. That's a relief for sure. Wow. So this next one then could be something kind of fun. It could be, you know, straightforward, but a cool backstage anecdote. Nice backstage story. Oh, wow. Anyone you met that you like were excited to meet and then there were assholes or... Or you didn't know anything about them and you fell in love with them. Either way, could be one or the other. I, you know, the first thing that jumped to my mind was I saw the actress from Amelie. <laughs> Super ah. random, like on a backstage. And she's like minute. She's like... Tiny, tiny, You know, tiny. like a mini, mini, mini person and super skinny, petite, as they say. <laughs> uh, and she kept doing yoga uh, in this backstage i don't know this is the first thing i thought of yoga backstage cool <laughs> all right not a great story no. i never said it was a great story it, it's an interesting one yeah <laughs> we like it we like it okay alex from all, your repertoire of songs which one do you think is your greatest hit um i don't know i <laughs> i i guess i like a couple uh, i really enjoy performing every single time Como Puedes Vivir Contigo Mismo. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's like, it, it has this Georgie Porgy quality. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But it kind of builds up. So I can start like not super, you know, 100%. And I know I can build it up to something like that people are going to go crazy towards the end. And it always happens. And I like know how to do that. Like 
like I'm making breakfast or something. So oh, that's really? a lot of fun always. Yeah. We're going to challenge you, Alex. Yes. I know you can do this. I okay. know you can do this. So I'm going to be... Normally, we ask for somebody to, to bring I'm, out I'm a very cell skeptical phone with, right the, now. with a clock. All right? But since we have the, the clock right in front of me, you're okay. going to have seven seconds, Alex. Seven seconds to sing as much of the song as possible, as fast as you can. All right? <laughs> all right. Seven seconds. Here you go. You ready? Three no. Two, one, go. Me estoy como enfrentando en esto, se me escapa para control, aunque digan que es malo, yo me siento en el cielo, aunque digan que es malo, yo me siento en el cielo. Wow. That was so stupid. That was a lot. And that's what we love. We love to have fun here, you know. See, you didn't expect that one, right? So I did not expect but that. But yeah, that was that was good. Good seven seconds of Como Puedes Vivir. Thank you. Yeah, no. Thank you, Thank uh, you so much. You passed the challenge. So the seventh question is something that's asked by our previous guest. And uh, the last guest that we did virtual was uh, Busca Buya. Oh, I love them. Yeah, they're awesome. And the question that they left for the next guest, which is Alex Anwanter, uh, the question is, what do you think makes music good? Hmm. I'm going to be extremely vague, but uh, honest at the same time. I think it's just like something reverberate, reverberating rurally. No, just reverberating <laughs> in in people, you know, con not... I hesitate to say connecting because it, it it's kind of meaningless now, I suppose. But something that moves someone, something within. Uh, I don't think much more can be like scientifically expected of music, but I always think if if it does that, it's because it already fulfills a lot of uh, you know uh, great qualities. It's I'm not gonna go into any of them, but it, that's why there's great music in any genre. It's because it's not about style, not about a particular uh, uh, singing voice or whatever. It's it's just about that movement that goes between you and the audience. And music. Well, that's beautiful. So, since we want to continue this little thing that we're doing, would you like to leave a question for our next guest? And we don't know who the next guest is. Sure. Um, <laughs> what do you think is being authentic in music? Oh, that that's I, a I will ask anyone. That is a great I'm, I'm one. Writing, good one. I'm writing it down. Yes, it's a very good question. <laughs> because I'll forget. So, we'll forget and we'll go like, what was the question? No, no, no. So here we go. We got it. So yeah. Alex, what makes music authentic? I don't know. Just like, well, I don't, I don't think it's something tangible, but I, I really believe in the infallibility of the audience detecting fakeness. I believe that people are not stupid at all. On the contrary, everyone has the most perfected, you know, radar for authenticity. And when they see it, they respond to it. So to me, it's just a matter of not going towards them, trying to make yourself liked, but to go within yourself and find some truth that w isn't hard, that that isn't easy to access. And when you find that truth that isn't easy to access, they will recognize it. Uh, that's kind of my. And that is so accurate. Totally, my answer. Totally. That is so true. 
Thank you for being part of this um, virtual. Thanks to Jack Daniels as well. Pero Alex, thank you for, for your time and for your energy. Thank you so much. And for giving so much of you. This was super fun interview. And of course, we, we got a little deep, which I like. <laughs> When I have such a brain in front of me like yours, we got to like deep, deeper. Deep, deeper, so and we want to and we want to thank everybody that that joined us as well. We had a good crew here for for you, Alex, and it was fun. So thank you all. Give yeah, thank a, you. A big Muchas round gracias. of applause. Gracias, Jose. Gracias, Guillo. Thank you, guys. But Alex, really, thank you for for doing what you do and speaking your voice and not holding back in any way, shape, or form because uh, you you uh, definitely bring it in every sense of the way. So thank you for doing what you do, man. Thank you so much. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels, gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. Thank you.